Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. This is your host, James Olson, a.k.a. The World Travel Dad. We are I'm back. Uh, just me. It always is just me. I have, I have my good recording equipment back. My computer, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Today's one of those days where it, it looks like things are going well. We'll see how long that lasts. But what I want to do is another throwback episode. So I went back and I took a look at uh, some of the prior episodes that did well. One of them was the uh, Prague Czech Republic episode. So I'm going to go back over that trip a little bit and see if I can fill in some of the things that I omitted. But another really important episode was uh, Normandy. And that did not do quite as well. But today is the D-Day commemoration and I remember being in the States for years and not really even noticing when D-Day would come and go and since I've visited Normandy and Omaha Beach with my family it's very important and I felt like it was a good idea to revisit that episode I didn't go back and listen to the whole thing I mean come on it's kind of boring but I'm going to spice it up a little bit. We're going to have fun on these two throwbacks. It's awesome that you are listening. We stayed about an hour south of the Normandy beaches. This is an area that not many people consider for whatever reason. I think there's some confusion about the country of France and where people should be traveling. It's it's a fairly large country. It's as big as, you know, Ohio, maybe. Uh, maybe a little bigger than Ohio. Maybe a third of the size of Texas, something like that. Don't quote me on that. But there there's such varied geographical uh, regions. There's different flavors of culture in every kind of corner. And if you... If you happen to have enough time, you should consider Normandy. Uh, For one thing, it's technically the home of Mont Saint-Michel, which is just an amazing place to visit. But for Americans, it is, uh, and for Canadians and for French people alike, it's the D-Day invasion site. So I want to get into a bit more about this region, what you can do when you visit and kind of how we spent some of our time. You know, D-Day itself, uh, there's something called the Battle of Normandy. That was a six-week-long battle. It commenced on June 6, 1944. Fun fact, it's called Operation Overlord. That's a fun trivia fact. 
And this was an amphibious assault that occurred on the beaches of this region called Normandy. And it, uh, but it, it, it led to a six week long battle in this region because once you knocked the, the Nazis, the Germans back from the beaches, they retreated into these small towns and they didn't just fully retreat. They, they fought, um, sort of battles along the way. So it took six weeks to eradicate the Germans from the area. And that was the first thing that we noticed. And I actually, I wrote about this. When the kids and I were in the cemetery, the Omaha Beach American Cemetery, you know, there's there's a separate one for the Canadians and, and the British is in Aeromanche. And, uh, but the Americans, we were at Omaha um, and that's where the cemetery is. And most of the tombstones, you can read the dates that these soldiers were killed and they're after June 6th. You know, the vast majority that we saw. So this was a fierce battle that continued. And, you know, the, the landings themselves get a lot of the attention, of course, because that kicked the thing off and it could have easily ended in disaster. And who knows what would happen then. But... Uh, that kicked it off, but it was, you know, it was another six weeks until the region was secured. There are some really nice towns, really small little French towns. I'm trying to, like, put myself in the kind of mindset of being in France. It's such a different thing to what we're doing now on this back half of the, of our trip. You know, we were in Southeast Asia, now we're in Turkey. It's, like, not really getting back to Europe I mean, it's it's kind of a mix between Europe and Southeast Asia, but France is is definitely old world, small town Europe at its finest. Uh, two lane roads, country roads to get up to these beaches. You know, be careful what when you're driving through these towns. France, they'll send these roads through these very small towns, and you know, we didn't see many people when we were driving through the towns. I mean, that's part of the problem. A lot of these small towns, there's not a lot of opportunity. The young people are leaving and they're just sort of these decaying old towns, but they're, they're beautiful. There's some nice places to stay. Um, there's a lot of outdoors. You can, you know, you can ride your bike up and down the, the, the areas along the beaches. And, um, I would recommend staying in Bayeux. That is a medium sized Gothic, old world uh, medieval European town a lot of descriptive words there but it's hard to it's hard to give enough credit to that town it's a it's just a beautiful relaxed town and we did not we weren't fortunate enough to stay there we were we were an hour south we we're out in the country in this kind of old um, renovated kind of barn thing that was beautiful but we didn't get to have that experience of staying in like a vibrant kind of town. And uh, the people in Bayeux, we, we kind of stayed there a bit before we headed up to the beach. And they seemed uh, plenty nice. I mean, the, the word on the street is that the people in Normandy especially um, appreciate Americans. Um, they really celebrate the history of, of this invasion and how miraculous it was and how thankful that they still continue to be uh, to this very day. And, and that's a special thing. And so 
I wouldn't go there just because you might meet some nice French people. Uh, you might still meet some mean ones. I don't know. But there's a lot of uh, positives about this region. It's famous for Calvados, which is a fermented apple liqueur. This is a quite nice. Quite nice. It's not as good as Cognac. It's not as good as Armagnac. But Calvados, you know, can hold its own. It's fun. Uh, we drank plenty of that. And the oysters are good. You know, we these they're cheap. They're cheap oysters. And uh, I think I said this in the first, in the, in the original episode, but different cities, uh, especially in like Norway, we noticed this. They're in restaurants. They're uh, they're ordering these oysters from from uh, Normandy, from Bayeux, uh, and paying this cheap price and then upselling them because you know people in fancy restaurants uh, don't know the difference and they're they think oh any oyster is fine. You know how you feel. You know you get into one of these restaurants and the room starts spinning. You start looking at the prices and you just. You get pushed around, you know. Give me some oysters, whatever you got back there. I'll pay a million dollars for three. But that's not that's not our style. So we went to the market in Bayou before we did the beach trip, and we grabbed a lot of fun food. And we met one of the the guys that was doing the oyster thing, and uh, he was really really a nice guy. It, you know, and and when I I think I know enough at this point um, when somebody's like overly nice, like I don't trust that either. I mean, nobody's that nice. You, especially you know, you're, you're at work, you're not going to be too pleasant, but if someone's like kind of genuine, then you can kind of trust what they're saying. So we got a dozen oysters for like nothing. Um, oh, we got two, I think we got two dozen and it was like eight euros or something insane. And, you know, I'm from Colorado, but, I can check an oyster. Like I have YouTube and I've, I watched how to do it and I'm pretty darn good now. I can check some oysters. Like usually that's reserved for, you know, the show off from like, you know, back East Massachusetts, you know, you get them shucking oysters and crowd pleasing, but uh, you know, I can, I can hold my own. And so, we ended up. We we had some had an oyster feast back at the place when we got done. Um, we we then drove on to Omaha Beach. Look, these are these are uh, not very impressive beaches. So you're not going there to like lounge on the beach. I know some British people. You know they they come across the channel, and they uh, it's kind of like their quick and easy beach stop, but. I don't know. It's kind of like a muddy kind of. It wasn't the it wasn't the best beach. It was okay. You know, at this at this junction, um, at this juncture in our um, in our trip, we hadn't really gotten to swim yet. It was September, and so we made the best of it. And the town Aromanch, Aromanch is a town, um, kind of cute. It's all right. Beach is okay. Nothing to write home about. But we definitely got in and we swam and we. You know, threw the the airplanes, the styrofoam airplanes around. Got some ice cream, ate some uh, mussels. The, those are those are kind of a big deal around there. You know, mussels and oysters are are pretty huge. So, 
you can take a look though at Omaha Beach and you definitely can get a, a better feel for the um, logistics of the amphibious attack and I said this in the first episode but uh, the Americans and the allied forces they they did a lot of trick plays because that's how you that's how you beat you know a, a more um, a stronger I, I don't want to call the Germans a stronger opponent but the way that they were dug in like that I mean you had to give them favorable odds to defeat any kind of invasion they they had the place locked down so the Americans first of all they they came in at uh, low tide which was completely unexpected completely took the Germans by surprise with that move but it left this gigantic tide and if you've ever seen pictures of Omaha Beach I mean the tide goes out over I think almost a mile um, at, at, at certain points maybe, maybe not that far I double check that but um, let me check it okay not quite a mile but really far it's pretty dramatic and if you could imagine having to kind of run across this open field I mean obviously the troops were sitting ducks and so the whole the whole operation ran into some snags um omaha beach was probably the toughest some of the other beaches fared a little bit better they were taken more quickly uh sword juno um i think were a little bit easier uh, there was gold beach there's utah uh omaha was just was brutal and i don't know how they pulled it off but they did they they had uh created these fake tanks that they were they put on land at various different spots to draw more you know draw some attention that's the whole trick play thing um um we walked around the beach for a while people were out enjoying themselves uh if you if you have a beach nearby you should go go enjoy it i was on the beach in turkey this morning it's great it's a nice place kids love it uh, we didn't really go for like a full beach day, though. We had already burned some hours in Bayou. So we moved on. We took a look at maybe some of the kind of craters. Um, a lot of the artillery shells that had exploded created these huge craters. That's kind of interesting to take a look at. There's a hike you can kind of do around the bluffs. We didn't have time to, to fully invest in that because uh, the next stop for us was we, we were going straight to the Omaha uh, Beach American Cemetery. And this is the big ticket item. This is the one you just have to go to it. I tried to arrange a guide. It was going to be super expensive, and they were all kind of booked up. And I don't think you need a guide for this. Um, sure, that might be interesting. Maybe if you're like a huge, you know, history buff, and you you know you want to get into some some discussions, some dialogue. You want to bring bring a notebook, bring a map you know, and kind of just really get into it, maybe do that. But, you know, we had kids, so I'm thinking I'm going to spend 500 bucks on a guide and then, you know, my kids aren't, they're old enough, they're not going to pee their pants, but something, you know, someone's not going to feel well, someone's going to get bored, maybe I'm going to get bored. So no guide. We just went straight to the cemetery. It's crowded in September. It's crowded, still nice weather beautiful uh, blue sky day that's something that i will definitely always remember it's, it was nice to see 
for me, that was kind of the, the juxtaposition of the beautiful weather you kind of look at over the ocean. It, that part of France is very beautiful. If The beach isn't great, and it's not like a beach destination, but it's, it's kind of dramatic scenery, which is really nice. And so you're walking along to go to the cemetery, you see that, and then you see, you know, all the tombstones light up, lined up, like in uh, you know, Saving Private Ryan in the beginning. I've seen that movie so many times, it's great. I don't think I'm going to need to go back and, like, relive that. I know I did. Have you heard the the Rome episode? I went back and I watched Gladiator after we had visited the Colosseum, and that was a real treat glass of Italian red watching watching Gladiator after visiting the Coliseum so I like to kind of do that like pair pair different things together to kind of create the true experience um, so we'll see maybe I will maybe I'll get Saving Private Ryan going um, but in the beginning of the movie you know he's in the cemetery and you know he kind of starts reliving kind of these moments and uh, so, yeah, we, we walked around with the kids, and they were good. You know, I think I think kids get it when they're there. It's And it's fun, too. It's like it's outdoors. So outdoor things are, are very good. If the weather is nice, um, you don't have to be completely quiet. You know, you, you want to speak in kind of hushed voices, and you tell the kids that. They get it. And then... But it was it was a good experience, a good learning experience. You know, the kids were asking questions, um, and uh, we were kind of just looking at where the people were from. Our soldiers, uh, Pennsylvania, Texas. You know, we saw a lot of different states. Um, they obviously will denote a Jewish soldier. Um, and they were, you know, they had they had uh, kind of extra uh, personal reasons because their people were being exterminated by the Nazis. And uh, so in kind of closing on, on this reflection point, um, it's great. It's a great museum. If you have a chance, I would uh, check it out. And like I said, today is D-Day. By the way, another fun trivia Um D-Day stands for Débarquement, which is a French word for landing. And so that's where the D uh, comes from. Once we were uh, once we were done with the cemetery... Oh, and by the way, there's a, there's a free museum, too. Um, uh, that, that was a well-done museum. You only need about 30 minutes in there. Just a couple of exhibits, a lot of paraphernalia, um, a lot of uh, artifacts, things that soldiers were carrying... You know, you see they they would have the the little translation dictionary from English to French to communicate with the villagers. You know, during the during the battle for Normandy, they they're in these small towns and they had to kind of you, know, you see that in Saving Private Ryan too. I mean, they're they're kind of searching for where Germans are still holding out. You know, snipers. Um, place is extremely dangerous, and you know, the battle took six weeks. Uh, once we get done with that, we. Took a nice drive back. Beautiful weather. Kids fell asleep in the back. Uh, I grabbed a baguette, and we rolled into the gîte at around 5 p.m. 
uh, started shucking some oysters, started uh, drinking some Calvados, and just enjoying uh, enjoying the good life. And that's what we all should be doing. And uh, you know, give your family a squeeze and uh, thank thank the allies for what they uh, accomplished and forever uh, change the world for the better. We'll be right back. I can't tell you how versatile the wise card has been for my travels. From paying for my kids' school tuition in Ubud to wiring the tour company payment for our snorkeling trip, the Wise Card has been there for me. Let me explain how it works. From the States or anywhere, you purchase foreign currency and keep it in your Wise account. It becomes your de facto foreign bank account. You purchase at the current exchange rate. If you think the dollar is at its peak in value, purchase a foreign currency, pay a very minimal fee, and voila, you have your short dollar position. Congratulations, you're now a foreign currency trader, and you didn't have to open a bank account in Montenegro. And fellas, your wife wants to go to Italy. She's sick of the bowling alley as your idea of entertainment. Why not start by opening your WISE account today? If you use the link in the show notes, capitalized with at least $300 US, World Travel Dad gets a minuscule kickback that I promise to use on cheap beer. Take your wife to Italy. Let's get back to this thing I'm calling a show. So as you know, in April, my family and I were on this uh, year-long trip, and we were in the Czech Republic. Czech Republic. Uh, I think they call it Czech, Czechia now. Czechia? I don't know why. I, my RO pairs from Eastern Czech Republic, and she tried to explain that, and she was confused. I don't know what's going on, but I know it is Czech Republic your grandparents might have called it Czechoslovakia. It used to be a single country. After the fall of the uh, Iron Curtain, the Berlin Wall, it was a single country until 1993 when there was the Velvet Divorce. The country split. Uh, no civil war, no shots fired. They just decided this ain't working out. And uh, Czech Republic went their own way. Slovakia went their own way. I've been to Slovakia but only to uh, Bratislava. And I plan to change that at some point. Uh, you know, but this this throwback's about Czech Republic, and this, and specifically Prague. We need to just continue to talk about Prague. Don't worry about the other parts of the country for now. We'll get there. They're amazing. They're fun. But Prague is the city I used to just put my reputation on when people ask me, you know, what, what's fun? Like, where, what do you, where do you go? If you go to Europe, you know, something maybe a little outside the box, you know, obviously there's Paris, there's London, there's Rome. That's pretty easy. Those, those are, those are uh, obvious, but Prague is, is uh, not so obvious. And I remember, you know, just a, a throwback within a throwback. I mean, I was there 20 years ago and it was kind of, it was very eye opening. Because it was just, you know, I was a kid. I didn't, I I barely knew that there were other countries out there other than the U.S. 
and uh, it left such a dramatic impact on me. I remember for years afterward, you know, thinking I, I was kind of having these dreams about it. It's kind of like this magical. It's got this wonderful Gothic and Art Deco, um, Art Nouveau architecture, just everywhere, and I geek out over Art Nouveau, of course. Uh, not so much Gothic. That's fun. It's it's very interesting. But w- whatever medieval kind of architecture you're into, you're going to find it in Prague. It's going to be there. Uh, but things have changed, and so I did this. I did this recent travel guide episode, and I tried to do something a little bit different, and it. it um, really did well and I got a lot of positive feedback so I really appreciate that I really appreciate how many people listened to that episode I looked at the analytics uh, you know surface level analytics the the kind that an amateur podcaster looks at and looks like a lot more women than men listened to that one so that was fun because I think you know my my hunch is that men are interested more in beer and that's like one of the main, that's one of the big draws of Prague. You're going to, you're going to like fall out of bed into a good beer in that town. It's hard to go wrong. And so, but it was good to see that, you know, either women are drinking more beer or, or is it an anomaly or something. And, but I can, I can now, um, report back that, my wife, who had only been to Prague once before for a couple of days, she wasn't that crazy about it before, but now she, uh, like like me, um, loves the, the city. And so how did we pull that off? Well, or how did I pull that off? Because it was my reputation on the line. I told my whole family, you're going to love this place. You know, I'm not going to... We're not going to do what 20-year-olds do and stay out all night, but we are going to make this place fun. And it's pretty easy. You know, the first, if you have a week in Prague, I think uh, one of uh, one of my listeners uh, reached out and, and was th- thinking of going to Prague and had kind of a similar idea. You know, you spend a week there. So ha- so what do you do? Um, you got you to get a good deal on a hotel. So shop around. Um, it's hard to tell, you know, what, if you're going to, if you're going to stay at a hotel. I use uh, booking.com. That worked pretty well. We got a place for under a hundred dollars a night, which is basically a two bedroom. But you need to know kind of the neighborhoods. You need to do a lot of research into the neighborhoods. That staying in Old Town, I think it's a ripoff. I think that the bang for your buck comes in staying a little bit outside of the old Starry Masto, Old Town, and using the public transport. The public transport works really well. You're going to get great value bomb if you, you know, if you want to stay in like some really nice hotel downtown. Knock yourself out. You know, maybe you are really successful and you have a lot of money. Maybe you own a business. By the way, are you, are you hiring? I need a job. And uh, anyway, we stayed in uh, Vinorati. It's a nice neighborhood. Um, the first episode, I went, I, I went through a bunch of these different neighborhoods. I don't need to really showcase them again, but definitely try to stay outside of Prague 1. They do it like Paris, and like probably a lot of other cities. But Paris has the year and dissonance, you know, one through twenty or whatever. Prague does a similar thing. So, you know, we were at Prague six was out by the airport. I uh, interesting area, but I don't think you need to stay there. But Prague two, three, you know, four, 
somewhere in there. Um, Holishovitz, that's north across the river. That was intriguing. Um, there's Malastrana, that's kind of up by the castle quarter. That always sort of didn't appeal to me. It seemed like kind of a, a kind of a strange area, like it wouldn't be near a whole lot um, other than the castle. And it, it might be fun and unique um, and have its own kind of positives, but I, I think I would recommend Venerati at this point. It's still a little bit under off the tourist radar, a little bit. That's not going to last long. Um, you know, prices are going way up. Inflation's a huge problem in Czech Republic. They have an official inflation rate of 17%, which, you know, that's insane. Um, and so your your price for lodging's going to go up. Uh, depending on the season you go, we had, we went in April. That worked out really well. You don't need to be in Prague in the middle of summer. So if you can try to get in a shoulder season like April or October, I think you're going to do really well there. Um, you can't. I was telling a listener that you know when I was first in Prague, you could be a dummy and and not spend anything. You you could go anywhere you want. You feel like a king, and those times have changed. So you have to be smarter. You don't want to go get ripped off at a restaurant every night, get crappy food. Eat out in your neighborhood pubs. There are a couple of really nice ones in our place in Venerati. Uh, I was shocked at how much I liked the Czech food. I was not even thinking of that. Uh, I don't even remember what the food was like. And they have done a really good job. They perfected these kind of classic national dishes. I mean, remember, they're, you know this country is very new relatively and since the fall of of communism you know it's only 30 years old and yet uh they're really perfecting their their craft very strong culture of the czechs um of course strong beer drinking tradition and uh but they did a great job with kind of the local dishes so i would get into some of those even even my kids like that stuff and I think my wife even kind of liked it. So, I mean, if, if, if we all liked something, I mean, pretty good. You know, we're, we're a picky bunch. Uh, you know, I can be picky too sometimes in, in kind of what I look for. Um, you know, by con in contrast, you know, London, I went back there after 20 years, and, I mean, the fish and chips got worse. I don't know what was going on. Food, food in London was just terrible. I just, I don't understand. They're going the wrong direction. Prague's going, you know, they're they're headed in the right direction. So, um, okay, and then, of course, the beer. I talk about it all the time. There's basically two choices. You can get the light or the dark. I always go for the light. Um, you get, it's about 0.4 liters they put a lot of foam in there. Um, that's okay. You want to see the foam. That means it's fresh. Don't don't uh, turn up your nose at the foam. That's what you want to see. Don't be a total tourist and uh, and and ask for no foam. That's not going to get you in good favor with the uh, servers. The pork knuckle is tremendous with uh, mustard uh, and, and beer and. Uh, and Bekarovka, that's a good after-dinner digestive kind of drink. Kind of, you can have it really anytime you want. Um, 
Slivovitz is a plum brandy that I used to drink a lot of, but the price is out of control. It's so expensive. And it's like it's like Rocky here in Turkey. It's like the national drink, but the locals don't even drink it because it's so expensive. So I don't know what the heck's going on there. I don't. It must be really expensive to make. The, the production must uh, be expensive. So I, I barely had any Slivovitz, but beer is still relatively cheap. Um, if you if you are going to Venerati and you want to know about these two pubs that we went to that were really good, I'm happy to to share them. I don't know if I'm going to link them in the show notes. I don't I don't think anyone reads the show notes. Um, one was called Parliament. Uh, it's right next to Miru Namiesti. Um, um, in oh, in in closing, um, I'll go back through. I did do kind of the trip down memory lane. I looked at my old dorm. They turned it into a hotel. That's when I knew, like, this is a different city. You're not going to find your old places. So I kind of stopped looking for the old Prague. And the new Prague is just fine. I think the new Prague still has opportunity for a fun trip. I think it still has opportunity for some budget travel. You just have to be much smarter. You have to use use the Internet. You know, they barely had the Internet when I went there. We, You didn't, you know do any research but you need to stay in one of these surrounding neighborhoods do your research uh find some of the neighborhoods enjoy some of the off the beaten path Prague is a good opportunity if you've been before and you remember spending all your time in old town well now you're gonna maybe want to branch out quite a bit and so that's what that's what i felt like we did a good job of we we did the classical, the Vivaldi uh, music concert. I didn't talk about that in the first episode, and that was an omission because that was tremendous. I loved that. It was, you know, like I said, once I turned 40, I sort of just automatically started liking classical music. And this was live classical. It was a quartet with... Um, with uh, uh, an opera singer and um, an organist and some strings, um, whatever it was they were, they were playing. It was just amazing. Um, the Clementium, it's, a, it's like a chapel right downtown. It's a, this is a pretty common um, concert that's held, and if you feel like you're overwhelmed trying to choose which concert, I mean, I can vouch for this one. Um, very, it was a good price point and you guys know I'm kind of a cheap bastard. So, um, you, you can trust that it was, was not expensive if if I wasn't uh, pitching a fit going and, uh, uh, it's beautiful. You know, we, we went for the slightly better seats, which again, when's the last time I did that? Um, but you sit kind of in the middle instead of all the way at the back and you know, just, it's one hour. I, I just, I told the kids like, just let, let dad have his one hour of Vivaldi and, and Bach and, uh, Brahms. There were a couple other, you know, there's, uh, Tchaikovsky there. It was, it was great. It was so much fun and such a, such a fun venue. And again, if you if you do one of these concerts somewhere other than Prague, it might be a lot more expensive. 
um, uh, check out the Vienna episode. Um, we talked a little bit about classical music in that episode, if you're interested. And, I mean, I may have to do a Vienna throwback. I don't know if these are terribly boring or what. They're not boring for me. I like talking about uh, these uh, various segments of the trip. I was just looking over some of the top performing episodes of this show. A lot of Southeast Asia. Uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a throwback. We're gonna have to talk about Thailand. Thailand is 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 huge. I love that place. That one that's a fun one. If you can get a cheap ticket, if you can get a cheap plane ticket to Thailand, then you should go because once you get there, everything else is pretty cheap. You're just gonna go sit on the beach every day. You know, crack some of those elephant beers, and uh, you don't have to do much more than that. So. Hope uh, hope you enjoyed the the throwbacks today. We did uh, Normandy because it's D Day, and we did Prague because I always like talking about Prague. Hi, this is the World Travel Dad. I'm so happy that you listened to this podcast, and I hope you're really enjoying it. Do you remember when I used to do the headlines at the beginning of the show? Well. I turned that headlines segment into a separate show. So I removed them from the travel show. Now it's a separate show called the World Travel Headlines Show. And it would be terrific if you would check that out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this little short show. And if you could just click on that link and take a look at it, even if you don't listen to it like immediately, I'll understand. But maybe at some point you will. And even if you're a bot, you know, uh, all are welcome. So thanks for uh, checking it out.